Beste ervaring. You are listening to That Digital Show, a business podcast presented by Google Cloud to help organizations innovate and grow value in a digital world. Episode 57, Getting Ready for Retail's Big Show and Beyond. On this episode, we are joined by IDC to discuss what we expect to see at National Retail Federation's big show in January and what the retail industry might look like in 2023 and beyond. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris Hood, a digital strategist at Google Cloud. Thank you for listening. NRF is an important moment for the retail industry, a place where old and new technologies are showcased and retail leaders can get inspired while networking with their peers. As Google Cloud prepares for our presence at the big show, we thought it'd be great to chat with IDC about what they expect to see and areas of interest they think will be especially important to the retail industry. Joining me today to discuss this is Jordan Spear, Research Director for IDC Retail Insights. Welcome, Jordan. Would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself and your role at IDC? Sure. Thank you. I am the Research Director of Product Sourcing, Fulfillment, and Sustainability at IDC, and that's sort of a more detailed view of retail supply chain. That's what I cover. Um, I've been here at IDC about three years now, and prior to coming to IDC, I was the editor-in-chief of Apparel Magazine, uh, which was a magazine that focused on the end-to-end supply chain for the apparel industry. And I'm sure most people out there know who IDC is, but maybe a brief summary of what does IDC do? Well, IDC does uh, a lot of different things. Data is our middle name, we like to say. We're an international data corporation, uh, and we have different groups that do different things. I'm part of the Retail Insights group, cover different industry verticals for end users and the technology providers who enable them to do what they need to do. So in my case, retail, there's other verticals like manufacturing and finance. And we provide analysis to both retailers and technology providers to enable the one to serve the other and to innovate and grow with the times and to become more modern and and to digitally transform. Most industries, if we think about it, are starting to really taper down its holidays and they're starting to plan for next year. But retail is in full motion, holidays, shopping, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. It is huge. And so let's just start with that. How are we seeing this year's holiday season perform in retail? Yeah, this is always a big time for retailers, uh, obviously, that, you know, Black Friday, when when they traditionally would cross over into the, the black um, and, and become profitable. And that season has really expanded outward over the years. So retailers have been moving their promotions up earlier and things are looking really good this year. I think I heard uh, like 166 million shoppers out and about 20 million more than that came out over Thanksgiving. So Americans want to be out. They want to be engaged. There are a lot of promotions and sales and they're spending. And, you know, some of those um, higher numbers might be because of inflation or, or certainly are because of some inflation. But consumers are shopping and it doesn't look to be a bad season. You touched on it here. The difference between shopping in person and shopping online through e-commerce, has that shifted much this year? Well, 
I would say that we have had a big shift back to normal. When we think about when there's disasters like the Great Recession and there was a lot of talk about retail apocalypse and the store was dead. And what we saw then was that the store was not dead, that people want to be out. They want to shop in the stores. What they really want is a journey that includes the digital and the physical shopping experiences. And that is seamless and easy. They can go in and out of those channels without problems. But still, 85% of sales take place in the stores. And consumers are back in the stores. Um, We're not seeing the crazy escalation now of e-commerce that we did during the pandemic. But at the same time, we've seen that hold steady. A good 15% of sales, 16% of sales taking place online as well. Here in the United States, consumers are returning to the stores. International accessibility even of shopping experiences through online platforms is also really changing the landscape of how we shop. Absolutely. There are many channels online. There are many countries. There are many ways we can have our product fulfilled. We can pick up curbside, we can pick up in the store, we can pick up in a locker, we can have it sent to us from, you know, internationally, we can order something online, go down the street, we can be in the store and ask something to be shipped for something to be shipped home, we can buy things online and return them in the store. There's a growing e-commerce market for second life of goods. It's a very complex marketplace out there. And all of these channels working together to create these experiences, I mean, you just rattle off a whole bunch of them. Are we at a point where there's too many options? Well, uh, I mean, the consumer probably would not say that. I think for any individual retailer, they have to look at their consumer and their products and see what works for them. In fact, we recently asked consumers, what types of services do you want? And would you be likely to go elsewhere if you weren't offered them. And the numbers we see are you know, shockingly high. 54.9% of consumers said that they will go elsewhere if they don't have flexibility to return purchases made in store on, or online to either channel. So they want to be able to you know, order stuff online, bring it back into the store. Almost 50% of consumers said that they want to have visibility into the inventory and costs and location online before they go to a store. So be able to see what's there. Can they go pick it up before they go into a store and find out it's just not there? Those are really high numbers. It's amazing to see how many consumers are very quick to just go elsewhere when the services they want aren't offered. And, you know, it's almost like services have become part of the product. It's like fulfillment as a product. Um, So when you think about what you're selling, it's not just that you know pretty little black dress. It's also, is it available down the street um, immediately? Or, and sometimes is it available same day delivery because I need it for a party I'm going to tonight? Yeah, I think as consumers, our expectations are going a little crazy. And I don't know if that's because technology has enabled these opportunities for us or these services, but even the concept of same-day delivery, how many people almost expect that they should be able to purchase something and have it the same day versus I'm ordering something and I realize that it's going to take a couple of days before I receive it. But those expectations are real right now. 
they are real. In fact, I can tell you a statistic, which is that 45.9% of consumers say they were, are likely or very likely to go elsewhere if they are not offered same-day delivery when they're buying online. That does raise a lot of issues around many things, last mile delivery, labor shortages, sustainability. There's a lot of talk now about is same day necessary? When is it necessary? And should we give consumers more information, for example, about the carbon footprint that they are going to create by demanding same day delivery? So maybe you go online and you're looking at your options and same day delivery contributes this much carbon to the atmosphere. Whereas if you chose something that didn't show up for two days, if the responsibility is sort of put back on the consumer and like this is creating more carbon in the atmosphere, more congestion on the roads, and you have an opportunity to make a better decision here, you can do that at the point of sale. A lot of these topics that we are already discussing are at the forefront of a conference that is coming up here in January called The Big Show by NRF. Can you just break that down, NRF and The Big Show, and what are we expecting at that conference? Well, it's called The Big Show for a reason. It is big, and it is sort of a, a rite of passage uh, for the retail world. I think this is probably something like my 20th visit there. Essentially, three days of education, networking among retailers and technology providers, and, and of course, press and analysts and educators. The event takes up the majority of the Javits Center in New York City, there's several floors of technology exhibitors. There are hundreds of educational sessions that feature both retailers and technology vendors. There has been for many years an innovation lab, a startup zone featuring new technology, new applications. Um, I remember just off the top of my head quickly from this year, this year, January, which of course was a much smaller event because of covid an autonomous robotic vehicle that could deliver goods to people in curbside or airport type environment, and then a, an application to handle reverse uh, logistics workflows and the whole returns process, everything you need to run a retail enterprise. What is something that you are looking forward to potentially seeing at 2023's show? There's always something new to see like maybe, an, as I mentioned, a, a new type of autonomous vehicle or an application that touches on a piece of the supply chain or in-store experience that hasn't been focused on as, as much before. But really what I'm looking forward to seeing, I'd say is more connectivity and collaboration. You know, Each year we talk about a lot of similar things, you know, silo data, legacy systems and inability to communicate what needs to be communicated to the people who need it. In fact, last year we did a retail survey here at IDC asking retailers about their challenges across different areas of applications, whether it was applications in the supply chain, like their, their warehousing or online marketing, merchandising in the stores. And almost in every area, the biggest challenge that retailers faced was getting data to the people who need it. And similarly, these things really are connected, integrating their data and applications. Previously on this podcast, we sat down with five of the largest retailers, Zulily, Ulta Beauty, Albertsons from a grocery store experience, a Crate and Barrel, and they were all faced with the same challenges around data, similar to what you've just outlined. But I'm curious, at the conference, 
will there be a wide variety of retailers? Do we also see independent stores that may be going through the same data challenges as even the big stores? There are some smaller independent retailers. There are a lot of mid-sized retailers and then the large enterprise retailers. I mean, I think there's really a, a wide variety of retailers at the event. If somebody was to come out with some big announcement, and again, we're playing prediction here, we don't know, but if somebody was to come up with some big, huge announcement, what might you be most shocked to hear? Yeah, there are different ways I could answer that question. I mean, something I would be surprised to hear, although it's already taking place, would be more widespread adoption of autonomous deliveries to homes. To see that really expand, to see lots of vehicles without drivers or and lots of drones in the air, I think to see that soon would be surprising. Yeah, I mean, drone delivery is one of those things where we could talk about it meets an expectation for same-day delivery, but it comes at maybe a risk. Maybe there is a sense, even from a consumer perspective, like, I don't know if I really want to trust my product being airdropped down to my doorstep. I think there's a very delicate balance between meeting the expectations of consumers and how do you actually accomplish it? Yeah, and you raise a really important issue, actually, not just for drones or autonomous vehicles, but the issue of trust, which is is so important to retail um, and, it, and in many ways, you know, trust of consumer data, trust of quality products, trust that consumers are doing what they say they're doing with data relative to sustainability, relative to how they treat their employees. Trust and perception are so crucial to the relationship that customers have, consumers have to retailers and the loyalty that they are able to build with consumers. And as far as the drones and the autonomous vehicles, I, I think there are a lot of fears associated with accidents. So it's not an easy endeavor to be able to get from creating a product to actually having it in commercialization on the roads. Let's talk a little bit about the future of retail. We've already talked a little bit about drones here, but Let's take it beyond that. Let's look at 2023 and maybe even 2024. Does your data show you any trends or do you have any predictions as to what the retail experience might be next year and beyond? I think we're continuing to look at sort of what I spoke about before, increased connectivity, more AI, more cloud. Labor shortages are a big deal. So, and that includes IT departments. You know, one of the things about moving to a cloud experience is that you don't have to depend on an IT department to manage all of that. I think we're going to continue to see, and we have seen escalation of retailers moving into the cloud. And the power of data is, is becoming very apparent. I think we're going to see more and more use of AI we recently did a survey asking about uses of AI in retail. The top two areas where retailers are already employing AI are in supply chain operations and management. So things like you know warehouse management, picking, packing, and shipping based on proximity, supplier collaboration, inventory management, and replenishment. And then in marketing operations. So marketing resource management and 
CRM, customer data management, uh, content management, and really across the enterprise, AI continues to be invaluable. There's really no way to manage the complexity of today's retail world without analytics and being able to harness that data. It's it's too complex. There's too many channels. There's too many SKUs. There's too much personalization. There's too much of everything. Things that AI enables is that intelligence that you can put in the workforce's hands in the retail store, and they can better enable consumers to find what they need to answer their questions. One of the things that we asked consumers was how likely they would be to go elsewhere if a store associate was unable to provide information they needed. And that was over 50%. They don't want to think that they know more about the products and services that retailers have than they do. They want to be able to find a knowledgeable sales associate. And, you know, in fact, Best Buy, they're so well known for the knowledge base in the store. And now they have a pilot program where they are enabling consumers to call in or text or use the website. And they have a basically have a replication of a like a store where they have a knowledgeable associates to answer their questions on various products. Really having that expertise is crucial. And so when you can free up your associates and free up other people in your um, enterprise to deal with more creative, human-oriented tasks by providing them the data they need through cloud and AI and um, IoT and all these things working together to gather data at the edges, to compute and understand it, to provide information, whichever those personas are along that retail enterprise who can use it and make sense of it and make decisions in real time, you really gain a competitive advantage um, because you have people there who are able to serve the end consumer however they want to be served. I mean, one of the things that we find with consumers, we, in fact, in the consumer survey I mentioned that we conducted recently, we asked, looking at a spectrum of things like, do you prefer self-service or do you want high touch? Do you want extremely digital or do you like very physical environment? And what we found pretty much, it fell sort of like a third, a third, a third on each spectrum. So some consumers really want that high touch, white glove type of um, engagement with sales associates, some kind of want a mixture and others just, you know, they just want to come in, they want to do their own thing, they want to self-check out, they want to be able to access things really easily. Uh, They don't really want to talk to anyone, but they still want that seamless experience. Uh, And retailers need to serve all of those different types of experiences and they need to have the technology that can allow them to do that, both by freeing up sales associates and by creating an environment where data can be collected. You know, so things like electronic shelf labels, you know, free up associates from having to you know, walk around and put up paper tags on the shelves and to understand when inventory is out of stock rather than having employees have to walk around and see that items are missing. Or, you know, using RFID to understand where your product is, how much you have so that you don't wind up with somebody ordering online, coming to the store and not having it because all of those items have been taken and purchased in the meantime, right? So knowing where things are, even even to the point of like being able to use your RFID as like a Geiger counter. So somebody comes for a product and you can walk around the store and locate it. Oh, it's, it was in a dressing room. There's one left. We, we know it's here and we found it in the dressing room. We're already starting to see shops that have no employees and they're self-automated, but there's still a need for 
some form of human interaction. And I think we all shop an emotional state of some form. And I think that emotional piece will continue to thrive. How are we going to connect the data that goes in between the before and after experiences of retail shopping? That's a great question. It's a big question. There's a lot of points where data is collected. And having systems of record where you know that the consumer is the same person, whether they're online or in the store, is really important. And consumers want that and want you to know that. They want to be offered promotions that make sense based on the things they shop for and the attributes that they are drawn to, or to be offered coupons or other information in a store that's relevant to what they're doing. Maybe it's a recipe for something uh, related to what they're buying, or maybe it's a pair of earrings that goes with a dress they're looking at. And then understanding that, uh, you know, being able to connect things like the order, the inventory, and the customer support so that when consumers have questions, you know, their journey may include something like calling to find out where their order is. Now, ideally, you're actually going to be managing that through AI or chatbots or a way that um, consumers can self-serve to find that out. But they may want to ask about a product, um, like we were just talking about with Best Buy. And understanding that when a consumer calls in, they're seeing what they've ordered, being able to see what inventory there is, if they maybe they want to make a return. And rather than just take that return back, wouldn't it be great if you could offer them a a replacement item that better suits what they're looking for and maybe even something else so that you use that return as an opportunity to please them, to build loyalty, to make another sale, to make that whole experience great for the consumer. And how can you do that best by being able to see the whole universe of what's related to that consumer? You know, we talked about the retailer side of the product journey, but increasingly, There's the post-purchase side of the product journey where customers may return a product, they may resell a product, they may want to repair a product or recycle it. And increasingly, retailers want to help direct that behavior on the part of the consumer when they think about the circular economy and making sure that products have the greatest longevity that they can, that they don't wind up in landfills. And so helping to direct consumer behavior, there are a lot of ways to direct consumer behavior and how to treat products, how to dispose of them afterwards. One of our items on our survey was asking um, if it's important to you when you buy a product in the moment, how important is it to know how to dispose of it at the end? 30% of consumers said that's something they pay attention to in the moment. So it is really about connecting all of those data pieces and putting them in the hands of the people who can use them best. So one of the ways that I see organizations also collaborating, especially in retail space, is there's a growing sense of marketplaces where consumers can find a variety of products within a single source. So I think Walmart is as an example of this, where I can go to Walmart because I'm loyal to that brand but I can find a a lot of different types of products that they would be able to facilitate for me. Are we seeing a lot more of that type of trend happening in retail? Yes, that is huge. Retail media networks are growing very quickly. So companies like Walmart have a lot of data 
that they can gather from their marketplaces so they can understand trends and help merchants who are selling on their marketplaces. And because they have all the data from those marketplaces, it's a virtuous cycle. They can understand what's being sold, what the attributes are of those things, what things are sold together when they're being sold. And that gives them a lot of ability to you know, share that data with the merchants who would benefit. Walmart is, of course, wanting its revenues to be high, but also wants the companies who sell on its website to do well. You know, a similar thing that I'm seeing is more on a localized level, grocery stores and working with local farms to bring in produce. And we're seeing localized retailers or small mom and pop shops being able to have a larger scale presence online by working through different types of platforms. That is directly benefiting the provider, the platform itself, who's offering those types of opportunities for local retailers, right? The internet and marketplaces really democratize the opportunity to reach the end consumer. You don't have to have the giant physical footprints that you used to now that we have online commerce. So that does enable you know a small mom and pop shop that would never be known outside of its local community might have customers now from across the world. You know, it does really open up those opportunities. Of course, there's a lot of complexity there in, in many ways. If, you, if you're reaching a lot of consumers that you weren't before, you need to have the ability to scale up your production and your fulfillment. Well, we'll be at NRF Big Show 2023. That's January 15th through the 17th. And you can visit us at booth 5607. And we would love to see you, especially Jordan, uh, 20 plus times at NRF. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of a lot of visits to NRF. I I sort of mark my years by NRF more more than the uh, first of the year, in fact. And of course, anybody else who is going to visit the booth, we would love to talk to you about all of the things we've talked about today. Data, AI, building platforms. We're looking forward to it. Thank you, Jordan, so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. That was a fun conversation. And thanks to all of you who are listening. If you have questions, comments, or ideas for the show, connect with us throughout social media and join us next week as we explore another digital transformation topic on That Digital Show. Thanks for listening.